to the While You Are Single podcast. O.J. Tokes' new, revised, and updated book, While You Are Single, A Guide to Finding and Keeping the Right Mate for Your Life, is now available. For more details about the book, please visit whileyouaresingle.org. Meanwhile, enjoy the podcast. Here is O.J. Tokes. Hello, everybody. Welcome to While You Are Single. Um, first and foremost, I want to welcome everyone again. And those guys on Facebook, welcome to While You're Single Live. Glad to see you all here tonight. We're going to have a great time. And tonight, we are talking about finding the right person. There are lots of books on the topic. But before we proceed, let's open up in prayer. Heavenly Father God, I thank you for this time. Thank you, Lord, for your presence here. I ask that you open our hearts to heed your word, open our ears to hear your word, open our eyes to perceive your word, open our minds to understand your word, Father God, and give us the wisdom to apply your word into our lives. Thank you that nothing will hold us back or inhibit us from receiving and applying your word in our lives. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. There are lots of things that we need to be mindful of in order to find the right person. But I want to focus on three main things. Number one, in order to find the right person, you need to ask yourself this question. What makes a person right? What makes a person right? If you don't know what makes a person right, you're either going to find the wrong person because you don't know what makes them right, or you're going to miss out on the right person when the right person shows up because you don't know what makes a person right, so you're going to turn them down because you're not aware of what makes a person right. So the first thing is, what makes a person right? The second thing that you need to be mindful of is this. There's a difference between the right person and the right person for you. Let me say that again. There's a difference between the right person and the right person for you. You may find someone who's right for Sports Illustrated. Someone who's right for the cover of Sports Illustrated, the swimsuit edition, but not right for you. You might find someone who's right for the cover of GQ, but not right for you. You might find someone who's right for your parents' approval, but not right for you. You may find someone who's right for your friends, but not right for you. So you need to know there's a difference between the right person and the right person for you. In Genesis chapter 2, verse 18, God did not say, it is not good for the man to be alone. I will make him a helper, period. For him. What he said was, the Lord God said, It's not good for the man to be alone. I will make him a helper suitable for him. Everyone is not suitable for you. Everyone is not right for you. You might find someone who's right, but not right for you. Some translations say, A helper comparable to him. Some translations say, A help meet for him. You need to know there's a difference between the right person and the right person for you. God wants to give you 
someone who fits you, not someone who only gives you fits. So the second thing is, you need to know there's a difference between the right person and the right person for you. The third thing is, since you are supposed to find out what makes a person right, and you need to find out who is right for you, then the third thing is, before you can find the right person, you need to find you first. Before you can find the right person for you, you need to find you first. How are you going to be able to figure out if someone is right for you when you don't know you? If you don't know yourself, how are you going to be able to figure out that somebody is right for you? That's why a lot of people are in multiple relationships thinking this is going to work, but it doesn't work. Thinking that is going to work, but it doesn't work. Thinking that is going to work, but it doesn't work because they don't know who they are. And the way you find yourself is through God. God created you. God knows everything about you. He knows you and he will help you be you. Not only that, God not only helps you find you, but God makes you right. Therefore, you're in a better position to figure out if somebody else is right. Because God is the person that makes a right person a right person. Some of you may have heard this story of a lady that wanted to get married. She said to herself, where do I find a good man? She thought about it for a minute and she concluded that the best place to find a good man is in church. So she went to church to look for a good man. She didn't go to church to develop her relationship with God. (laughs) She didn't go to church to grow closer to Jesus. She didn't go to church to develop her character. She simply went to church to find a good man. And of course she found a man. They got married, but it was a disaster. She was deeply hurt. She was devastated. She could not believe that you could find guys like that in church. So she concluded that church men were fake. Along the same lines, there was another guy. He wanted to get married. And he said to himself, where do I find a good woman? And he thought about it a minute and said, you know what? Church is the best place to find a woman. So this guy went to church to find a woman. He didn't go to church to develop his relationship with God. He didn't go to church to develop his character. He didn't go to church to grow closer to Jesus. He simply went to church to find a woman. And of course, he found a woman. They got married. Unfortunately, the marriage didn't last. It was a disaster. He was deeply hurt. He was devastated. He could not believe that he could find a woman like that in church. Turns out that the woman he found was the other woman who came to church to look for a man. The point I'm trying to make is what leadership expert Dr. John Maxwell describes as the law of magnetism. Who you attract is not determined by what you want, but by who you are. Let me say that again. Who you attract is not determined by what you want, but by who you are. The key 
to finding the right person is being the right person. If you want to find the right person, you have to be the right person. Just like it takes a good doctor to know a good doctor, it takes being the right person to figure out if somebody else is the right person. In order to be the right person, in order to be right, God will have made you right. In the process of helping you know, in the process of helping you knowing yourself, God makes you right. Therefore, you go through a process, you go through a transformation that positions you to be able to discern if somebody else is going through a similar process. When God decided to make Adam a mate or bring the right person to him, how did God go about making a mate for Adam? God pulled out a wand and he said, he waved it in the air and he said, I'll have peanut butter sandwiches. Eve, show up. No, that's not what God did. No, God spoke that Eve should come to life. No, no, that's not what God did. The way God brought Eve to Adam, the way God brought the right person to Adam was literally God worked on Adam. He literally worked on him and worked Eve out of him. That's a picture of what God does with every one of us. You want the right mate? That's great. I have to work on you because you're the template for the person God has for you. Before God can bring someone to you who fits you, God has to fit you. Before God can pair you with someone, he has to prepare you. If you want God to give you someone who's suitable for you, someone who suits you, someone who's tailor-made for you, God has to take your measurements. When you go through the process of God molding you to the right person, then there are certain things you can be looking out for that characterize the right person. These are things that should be reflected in your life as God works in you and also should be reflected in the life of the right person for you. There are a number of things, some of which are relative to individual preferences, but I want to emphasize four fundamental things that are prevalent in anyone that is supposed to be the right person, okay? Number one, the right person is a helper. The right person is a helper, which brings me to another point. God does not set everyone up. Let me say that again. For those that want to get married, God does not set everyone that wants to get married up. God only sets up specific kinds of individuals. Helpers. God only sets up helpers. That's why it said in Genesis 2.18, that it's not good for the man to be alone. I will make him a helper suitable for him. It didn't say I will make him a wife. It didn't say I will make him a mate. He didn't say I will make him a spouse. He specified the kind of spouse, the kind of mate, the kind of wife that he was bringing to Adam, a helper. But just in case we miss that crucial detail, 
God said it again for us in Genesis 2.20. It talks about how Adam gave names to the cattle and to the birds and to creeping things. But for Adam, there was not found a helper suitable for him. Not only did it reinforce the fact that God is trying to tell us, I only set up helpers. He's also trying to tell us he's setting up, setting us up with helpers suitable because the suitable is there again. But for Adam, there was no one suitable. There was no helper suitable for him. God sets up helpers, not hellions, not hellraisers, not help me's but helpers. God sets up helpers. Now, traditionally, the general consensus is the wife is the helper to the husband. Okay? But I submit to you that the wife, the helping is not limited to the wife. The husband is supposed to be a helper as well. The helper God created for Adam, where did he get her from? From Adam. Therefore, Adam must have been a helper in order for Eve to be a helper because he created Eve from Adam. In John chapter 14, verse 16. John 14, 16, Jesus was speaking to the disciples. And he said this, I will ask the Father to send you another helper, and he will be with you forever. The word, the Greek word translated as helper there is the word parakletos, which is affiliated with the word paraclete. And it simply means someone that comes alongside another to help. Someone that comes alongside another to help. Eve was created from Adam's side, not or rib, okay? Someone that comes alongside another to help. And in the context of John 14, 16, he was referring to the Holy Spirit, okay? But the point I'm trying to make is Jesus said, I will send you another helper. The fact that Jesus said another helper implies that there was an original helper. If I say I'm going to send you another one, that means there must have been an original one, correct? So when Jesus said, I'll send you another helper, then the question is, who was the original helper? Well, Jesus was the original helper. And according to Ephesians 5, Jesus is making a connection between a husband and his wife and Jesus and the church. Jesus is male. Jesus is the bridegroom. The church is his bride. Jesus represents the husband. The church represents the wife. So if Jesus, who represents the husband, is a helper, then that lets us know that men are supposed to be helpers as well. I went through all this spill to let you know, ladies, don't feel like the helping is limited to you and you ignore the fact that a guy is not helpful and you want to go ahead and have a relationship with him. But you need to know guys are supposed to be helpers as well. That's my point. We are supposed to be helpers as well. Number one, God sets up helpers. He sets up paracletes, not parasites. Number one, the right person is a helper. Number two, the right person has a relationship with God. The right person has a relationship with God. I find it interesting that 
some of the couples in Scripture that we have some information of how they got together, a lot of them, if not all of them, that we have information about, found themselves near a well and or water. Okay? Some of the couples in Scripture that we have some information of how they got together found themselves near a well and or water. Well, what does that have to do with anything? Well, in John chapter 4, we hear about Jesus meeting a Samaritan woman by the well. Remember that story? And I believe it's in John chapter 4, verses 13 and 14. Jesus is having a conversation with a Samaritan woman. And he tells her that he asked for, you know, he asked her for water. Then during the conversation, he told her that if you drink water from this well, because there was a physical well, Jacob's well, he told her if you drink water from this well, you will thirst again. But if you drink the water that I give, you will never thirst. So Jesus just referred to himself as a well. Jesus is the well of life. He's the living water. In John 7, I believe it's John 7, 37, 39, Jesus said, those that believe in me out of their belly shall flow rivers of living water. And he was referring to the Holy Spirit, who is God, the Spirit. In Jeremiah 2.13, God spoke. Jeremiah 2.13, God was upset with his Israelite children. And God told them this. He said, you have forsaken me, the fountain of living water, and you have dug for yourselves wells, wells that hold no water. The point I'm trying to make is God is a well. God is the living water. A large body of water is often a reflection of God or a picture or symbolic of God. So when I say that some of the couples found themselves near a well, it's a picture symbolic of these people having a relationship with God. For example, Isaac and Rebecca. Their story is in Genesis 24. Genesis 24 is the longest chapter in the book of Genesis. In Genesis 24, we hear of Abraham. Abraham asked his servant to find a wife for his son Isaac. The servant gets to a well, and he begins to pray. And Rebekah shows up by the well. So Rebekah was found by the well. But how about her husband Isaac? Well, you have to fast forward to Genesis 24, 62. I'm giving the scriptures because some of them are not on the screen, so you might write it down. In Genesis 24, 62, we hear the story of Isaac. I believe the Bible says he was in a place called Negev, or he was in the south. Then he got into a path called Biela Haroi, depending on what translation you have. He got on the path of Biela Haroi. Then he looks up. He was going to meditate, or he just finished meditating, something like that. He gets on a path called Biela Haroi, and he looks up, and he sees camels coming. The camels were carrying his wife. So basically... Notice the sequence, the way the Bible phrased the story. He was in Negev, or he was in the south, and I believe Negev means dry place. He was there. He got on a path to meditate. After meditating, he got on a path called Biela Haroi, and all of a sudden, he sees his wife coming toward him. Now, the question is, okay, what's Biela Haroi? Is this some kind of Hebrew beer or something? <laughs> well, Biela Haroi comes from Genesis chapter 16, verse 14. Genesis 16. And to give an overview of what happened, everybody knows Abraham couldn't have, uh, and Sarah couldn't have children initially. So Sarah told Abraham to sleep with Hagar, um, Sarah's servant. Then they gave birth to a son named Ishmael. When Hagar gave birth to her child, she began to look down on Sarah 
and Sarah got mad and began to mistreat her. And because of that, Hagar left the house and was wandering about. And an angel showed up and told her to go back and submit to Sarah. And the angel told her that God would take care of you and all that kind of good stuff. Therefore, Hagar was overwhelmed and she called the place, which was by the well, by the way, she called the place Beer Laha Roy, which means the well of the living one who sees me. So, Bielaharoi, which was by a well, is the well of the one who sees me. So Isaac was in a dry place. He was in the south. He got on the path of the well of the one who sees me. Then voila, he sees his wife coming. Because that's a loose uh, symbolism of the fact that he had a relationship with God. In case we missed that, we heard he was meditating or going to meditate. So, Here's another example of someone who found, both of whom were found by a well. Another example is Jacob or Rachel. Genesis 29, verses 1 and 10. 1 to 10. They found themselves by a well. Another example is Moses and Zipporah. They found themselves by a well. Exodus chapter 2, verses 15 to 21. Exodus 2, 15 to 21. The popular couple in scripture, Boaz and Ruth. I believe it's Ruth chapter 2 verse 8. Boaz is having a conversation with Ruth. During the conversation, he told her, If you are thirsty, I have told my men to give you water. Or go to, go to my men to give you water to drink. So water was nearby when Boaz and Ruth first met. Adam and Eve. Genesis 2, verse 7, the Bible says, God formed man from the dust of the ground and breathed in his nostrils the breath of life. Then in Genesis 2, 8, it says, God, put the man, God planted a garden eastward in Eden, and there he put the man. Genesis 2, 10, water came from underground in Eden and went out and broke into four rivers. So God placed Adam in the environment where water was coming from the ground. All of them were near water, which is a picture of someone who has a relationship with God. Now, I went through all this spiel, and to be honest, a lot of you already know that's basic Christian relationships 101. Obviously, you got to go out with someone who has a relationship with God. But I'm talking about an authentic relationship with God. Thank you for listening to the podcast. We hope you are informed, inspired, and impacted. If you'd like to learn more about O.J. Tokes, his books, blog, music, and his monthly ministry for singles, please visit whileyouaresingle.org. That is whileyouaresingle.org. If you've been blessed by the podcast, we encourage you to please share with your friends. Until next week's podcast, take care and stay blessed.